Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In our fourth year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. We have another wonderful interview uh, segment here. I'm always excited about it, especially since it, it can be complicated with people's schedules, especially when you're doing things on an international basis. We got uh, Eva uh, Wang Anava here. Uh, she is a uh, Singaporean, but she is uh, also living in England. So it's it's a real international uh, treat. I met her a number uh, of years ago on, on social media. We, we communicated, and, and in many instances... Uh, I loved the book that she had put together. It had uh, an Asian autistic kid. Uh, the book is named uh, Open, A Boy's uh, Way Young uh, Adventure. And, and she has another book coming out shortly called The House of Little Sisters. So definitely help me welcome uh, Eva Wong Nava to the show. Hi, Eva. Hi. Hi. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for inviting me. I, I've been wanting to have you over for a long time. So I'm sorry you had to move across the planet for a bit. It'll be a little more convenient for me. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, I mean, you know, I moved during the pandemic. That was just, I'll never do it again, let's just say. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. But, you know, things worked out. Things worked out. And uh, and actually, under, under, you know, it was during the pandemic uh, when we were all locked down in uh, London, that's where I'm based, um, that I actually managed to finish Um my second book, the uh, the this the little the house of little sisters. Sorry, tripping over my tongue here. The house of little sisters. Yeah. So um, so it turned out quite well. I mean, um, in a way. Um, All right. Well, we'll, with we'll, this pandemic. we'll definitely talk about that. I I did want to mention briefly that mm-hmm. when I when I discovered that you had you had written uh, some years back, uh, open a boy's uh, Wei Yun adventures, and apparently Wei Yun means something about a puppet theater in Indonesia. So that's a I know that's a real, real part of the, of the book. Uh, I remember saying, because I had, you know, little children. Even though I'm an older fellow, I have, I have smaller kids. And I said, you know, I'd like to get that book, and I'd like to read it to them, and and this, you know, see what kind of connection that could be have, something different. Because, you know, it occurred to me that uh, most of the uh, children's books I was reading them were the ones that I, I read myself, and you know, they're all mm-hmm. mostly Western based. And I'm like, well, why don't we try something different? And then I remember you being so gracious, I'll, I'll mail it to you. And then you mail it to me. And then I, I said to myself after that, oh, my God, I didn't ask you if it was in English. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not really sure if this is going to connect with my children or not. Maybe I'm being crazy here. But when it came, and, of course, I was, I was so happy it was in English, I'm like, let, let, let us give this a shot. And I think it took about two weeks every night for about a good half an hour. I read it to them before they went to bed. And they started having questions, and, and it was it was definitely connecting with them, which I was really surprised uh, oh. because I wasn't sure. I was just like, not because there's anything wrong with with Asia. It's just that it, it, there's such a I would have thought a gap, and until I realized that the the way you wrote it was, uh, even though it mentioned uh, all of these important things that that was happening there in in the, you know the Asian environmental experience with this child and her mother. Um, it, it it also had a universality to it, so I was I was excited and it was it was great to have something different, and I promise you uh, of the many books I've read my uh, my children over the years, that's one of the few that they, they actually still remember. 
Oh, wow. I'm so, um, you know, I'm really so honored and um, I have no words. I just want to thank you also for reading and thanks to your, your children for listening. Um, in other words, uh, it, it, um, we, we submitted the book, the publisher. The publisher is an independent publisher um, in Singapore. It's a small press. And um, because it was a very local story, it being that it's set in Singapore, um, you know, it's in a Singapore school. It's about a Singapore boy and, um, you know, who is befriended by a, um, a um, mixed heritage or mixed, um, a dual heritage uh, girl. And they get along really well. And Open, Open is actually his nickname. And uh, what I was going to say is that I, I wasn't um, expecting it to win the moon. Uh, it won the third the bronze medal actually so third prize um at the moonbeam um festival moonbeam children's award festival and that really was a surprise and now that you're telling me that your children who are americans um you know are connecting with this book it's you know it's such it's really such an honor to hear that um because i i had written that book um for really mostly for the children of singapore because at that time when it was written there, there wasn't a a, a a similar book like that, you know. So children who are um, on the spectrum in Singapore were not really seeing themselves in books. Um, and it was a, it's a, it was a project um, that I actually did not want to start on um, because it was a difficult project, and I had realized. I mean, I also realized that I am, you know, neurotypical. I'm not on the spectrum. Neither are my two daughters. They're we're we're all neurotypical, you know, um, children and adults in this family, and I really did not feel that I was the right person to um, write this book. Um, and I, the person who actually persuaded me was was the film producer. the 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 book is actually adapted is an adaptation from his film. So you'd said that um, you know it correctly said that Wayang has to do with um, puppet pu the puppet theater in Indonesia, and it is, um, but in Singapore, it's been, uh, it's used um, as a word to describe um, the stage, really, um, and the Chinese diaspora uses this Malay word or this Indonesian word um, in its own way, it's kind of translated it, the, uh, the Chinese diaspora translated this word, wayang, um, to mean stage. And it, to, it actually means an opera rather than, um, you know, the puppet theater. So um, the, author, the um, publisher wanted to actually add that word into the title. So that's why it's called Open, A Boy's Wayang Adventure. Um, and we talked about whether that would have international appeal. Um, and we went along with it because we also wanted to showcase i guess a cultural um a, a, a side a, a very i would say unknown culture in singapore i mean outside of singapore and malaysia i guess it's quite unknown and it's also a dying culture we don't have um a lot of these stage performances anymore it's, it's evolved into another type of um performance i guess i don't know if that answers your question um mark anthony so just um rambling on here no no not at all um i i i read about it before i talked to my uh 
my children because I know they were going to ask me right away, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I told them puppet theater because I knew that if I said something like opera, they would have fell asleep right there. And I'd never, be able, I'd never be able to get this book out to them. So I'm like, puppet theater. They're like, okay, great. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, you're not incorrect. You're actually right. It is the puppet theater. You know, and it actually is um, very interesting to watch as well. And it's, it's, it's an art form that comes from Java, Indonesia. It's a shadow puppet, really. Um, and it's beautiful to watch. You have, you know, this lovely music in the background. Um, and it's really, really, really you know, for me, when I first watched one, it was very eye-opening and really insightful. It's just the way the word has been translated or, I don't know, mistranslated, I guess, in, in, in the way that the Chinese diaspora in Singapore have used it. So in, in Singapore, the indigenous, um, the indigenous people of the land um, are, are, um, belong to this world called the Malay world. The Malay world is very, very diverse. So, I, you know, I'm not going to really go into this because within the Malay world itself, there are several languages, um, different um, cultures. It's just the British had come together and lumped all these people together. You know, we, we were under the British for, for, for a few hundred years. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the British had come and put, put, put everyone together and just called them the Malay people. And the Chinese diaspora, so my people, um, you know, I'm, I'm sixth generation. Um, we speak, some of us speak Malay, actually, or a creolized version of Malay. And, um, and so that word wayang um, was adopted and adapted, really, by the diaspora to mean something else. Well, that definitely, uh, definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I was definitely um, intrigued, and of course my, uh, my children had questions, because I mentioned to them that speaking about this topic of people with neurological problems, autism, etc., wasn't really all that common in the East. And I also reminded them that in, you know, in the West, especially in America, it wasn't even 50, 60 years ago when I was born that mm. you would literally hide people in the basement or put them in an institution because people didn't even know how to talk about this in public. I go, sure. so they, they might yeah. be a little bit behind us, but they're not that much behind us. It wasn't too long ago when we were doing silly things about this as well. So I'm glad that this come to the light so that, that people can have a, a better chance of living a you know a more normal life under the circumstances and not being targeted for somebody because they're afraid, because they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, and the reason for this was, that, that was the reason why, you know, I, I took on the project that I really didn't want to take on. It's really to raise awareness. I mean, I would say that, you know, every country has a has has their own different level of awareness, right? Or awarenesses, if there's such a word. Um, different, just different levels. And um, when the film was made, um, the film producer, his name is Raymond. Raymond had wanted to make a family film, um, and he wanted to make a film that, you know, every, you know, children can watch and see themselves in it. And he decided that he was going to write. A, a script about a, a, a boy on the spectrum and he, and that boy um, and how that boy um, navigates um, his life at school and how he finds friends. So, you know, like you were mentioning that the themes are universal. So you have all these universal themes um, running through the book, except that, you know, obviously it's set in it's set in particularly Singapore, it's Asia. And, um, you know, it deals with what the children know. Um, in their lo- locale, I guess. 
they they know they noticed in the book and i know i did too that mm-hmm. the, that the mom she seemed kind of a rough character you know and mm. they had questions for me and i i reminded them that hey, it might be possible that you know she's still trying to understand you know open and mm. and, and and dealing with it in her own way she probably has no background in this sort of thing and you know who knows how rough they might have been in you know the generation before her regarding this so you know, you have to give her a little bit of a break. And, you know, in the end, she, tur- she turned around, but uh, she was yeah. rough. She was rough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of, um, as a mother myself, you know, there's always a lot of maternal guilt, you know, you know, probably for fathers as well, you know, but I speak from obviously my lived experience as a, as a mom, you know, like I always feel, okay, if I do this and I did it wrong, you know, I'm guilty for this. And there's never really a right answer. And you're right, the, the character of the mother, Open's mother, I mean, she was trying to grapple with why is my son like that? She doesn't understand it. And she was living in denial, right, until something clicked for her and, and she realized that, you know, she can love her son despite. Yeah, but she wasn't a traditional, like, I guess you could say a, a stereotypical Asian mom because she was also somebody that had a career. Yeah. Actually, you know, Asian Asian women, a lot of Asian women have careers and they jump, especially in Singapore, actually. I mean, it's a very tough city or very expensive city to live in, I guess. And, you know, it's really, um, I mean, like, like a lot of uh, like, like, like cities like New York or London, you know, where, you know, par- both parents have to work. It's, it's quite a typical scene or typical um, scenario, I guess. And she 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 is obviously um you know a career woman and doing well in her career and um and hiding behind her career to actually um you know like not wanting to recognize her own um lack of um understanding of her son's condition and i guess many many people are like that yeah i i agree it it was almost like she she took on uh, what, what normally would be the male aspect of how someone would do that, where they just bury themselves in work and ignore what's going on in the family because they don't know how to deal with it. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I do feel that as, I mean, I know we have female and male and, you know, um, you know, um, binary and non-binary these days, which is all fine for me and with me. Um, but I, I actually think that as, as people, we're, we're, we're very nuanced, you know, like there is, in, the Chinese also believe that, that they're in, within us, the yin and the yang, right, within a human being, we have these two energies that are opposing, but yet come together um, and make us who we are. And it's to find that balance in these two energies, the yang and the yin energies, that we become, you know, better people. Uh, well, I don't have any problem uh, believing that. I, I do think, although, that politics and sometimes even cultural norms can't really capture all that's about reality and all that's about nuance. So many times they don't really uh, capture all the truth of what's going on. They just make decisions on what they feel should be the norm or what should be the given, and that leaves lots of people out. And that's why we're often better at just communicating amongst ourselves and then listen to some leader who never seems to have all the answers because they don't know how to include all of reality into what's going on. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough um, 
I guess it's tough politics these days, and I re really, you know, it's it's quite disheartening to see what's happening kind of all over the world. But I guess you know nobody really has like as as a parent, right? And I'm not in any way defending any politician. I'm at all, but I think as parents, we make decisions for our children, don't we? Um, because we have to until they can make decisions for themselves and we try our best to do what's right by our children but sometimes we're limited we're limited by what we know right or don't know let's just say it's actually limited by what we don't know we're limited by you know you know not all of us have the same level of consciousness or awareness as i said earlier we all come from different backgrounds different cultures um and you're right that, yeah, maybe we, we all speak to each other and talk to each other. I think communication is the biggest thing um, and the most important thing there is, you know, and that really um, helps navigate differences, I guess. I, I really think it does because I think sometimes, even in the year 2022, we got too many people that they seem to be living their life by waiting on permission of somebody to speak about something rather than mm. simply doing it themselves. I mean... If you didn't write this book and then other people from other parts of the world can read it and, and, and connect to it, how would we know about a lot of these things? We we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. that's why I think writing is so important. And that's why I think having shows like this that communicate is so important because we can't depend on leaders of parties or leaders of government or yeah. leaders of cultures to do everything for us. Because in the end, a lot that we need to do, we need to do on our own. Absolutely. That I agree. That I agree that 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 is all down to the individual um, and it's down to ourselves to educate ourselves, really. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think a lot of us, a lot of people live in a bubble and they I mean, it's a choice. They want to live in a bubble, which I if they if that makes them happy and that rocks their boat or, you know, sails their ship, whatever. That's fine. You know, it, it's it's it's. But I also think that we, we all live in this world together. <laughs> we don't live in isolation as much as we like to, but we don't. And, you know, especially this, I mean, it shows that this during this time, doesn't it? And in this um, uncertain times that we're living in, that, you know, we need to come together as a people, as a human, um, I want to say civilization, you know, as a human um, kind to work together because we know we, we, we're fighting a single enemy, right? The same enemy, which yeah. is the virus. Now that's, right. that's the, I know it's very controversial to say this. I, I, I don't know how, because it, it's a, in many ways, it's a mysterious boomerang that oh. if we needed a lesson or we needed something to remind us that we're human and that we needed each other, well, a virus will certainly do that. And if we learn <laughs> to understand that, that that's better for us all in, in the end. And I hope that if we gathered any wisdom from any of that, when this is all over with, we can continue to try to move forward and not go back into our corners and throw rocks again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we will have to learn to live with this virus. You know, and I just got a phone call from my, I just got a phone call, well, a text really from my sister telling me that my other sister now has the virus. And my other sister is, you know, she's immune suppressed. She, um, she has an illness, so she's immune suppressed. So I'm really quite concerned right now. I'm sorry. I understand. Yeah. yeah. We're still tackling with all of this. Yeah. Well, let, let's yeah. let's go on. Um, I know 
a lot of people during the pandemic, they wind up having either more time in their hands or mm. just simply more home than they normally were before. And, you know, some of them uh, came out with creative projects. And you were mentioning that the House of Little Sisters, something that's <laughs> supposed to be out, I think, in February, right? Yeah, it's coming out soon. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's ready to pre-order. It's coming out soon, yeah. So i definitely like to hear about that. When I told, because I, I didn't even check, I just mouthed off to my children, hey, <laughs> Eva's having another book out. The first thing they were saying was, is this open too? I'm like, I'm not really sure. I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Bless them. Yeah. Uh, this this one also open. Uh, I'll just uh, you know clarify for the listeners. Open is a middle grade uh, book, and this one um, is a young adult, so it's YA. So the age has gone up. So basically, in 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 publishing, as you know, these are all publishing categories. Yes. Um, a YA or a young adult book. Um, you know, they, they, they say the age range, or they being the publisher, says that it was for children 12 to 17. I don't know why it's so precise, but, yeah. you know, adults read young adult books too, you know, and, and so these books then become crossover books, right, where um, adults, I mean, I read YA, so. <laughs> yeah, like Harry Potter and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That and, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's uh, so um, basically YA deals with, um, tougher issues or they, they, they deal with same issues I guess you know like maybe divorce or maybe friendships being ruined you know there is a little bit of a crush going on between characters but the YA kind of takes it up a few notches I guess you know so when, when that reader at that age between I'd say 14 to 18 you know um, but then you know YA readers are younger now as well um, they're able to cope with these issues being t uh, these issues or these themes being addressed in the book. Um, you know, um, educa educators and, and uh, child psychologists and publishers feel that that at that age, um, the child, the, the reader, um, the teen reader is um, emotionally able to 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 uh, process these difficult um, themes, I guess. Well, I remember, I remember reading an interview you had. I believe it was an interview you had, a, di mm -hmm. a digital interview, where you had mentioned that um, you had a, a tough time finding an agent. That that was a bit of a journey in itself. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, yes, I did have a tough time. Um, Actually, I do have an agent now, and my agent is really, really supportive. Um, this book was acquired um, before I got representation, actually. So she knew about it. I had to tell my agent. So she doesn't represent me for, for the House of Little Sisters. Um, so this book is, is, is published by Penguin Random House. It's the group, and it's Penguin Random House Southeast Asia. So that uh, branch of, uh, of Penguin Random House... Um, its office is in Singapore. So it, the, the book was acquired along with another title. Um, so it was a two-contract, uh, two-book contract. Um, the first title uh, um, was a picture book that also had the same themes in it, similar themes. And I, I write um, around relationships a lot. Um, and also what intrigues me most in the Asian context is the, um, it's the, it's the reliance on... Um, especially in Singapore, is the reliant on um, 
home help, you know, basically nannies, um, which are called uh, maids or, or in the old days, they were called servants. Um, and that has always intrigued me. Um, and the relationship between, you know, the helper and um, and the child they look after. Because I, I was looked after, you know, by a nanny. And I had actually, a, 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 you know, quite a good bond with this nanny. Um, and, and, and I remember when she left, right, um, um, it was very tough for me. And, and no one, nobody, no, I had no one to help me process these uh, emotions. So I wrote a book. Wow. That's, well, that's, that's great. I, I grew up with when, when myself, only for four years, but mm-hmm. I stayed close with her the rest of my life until un, until she died recently of cancer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because it becomes yeah. a real a real relationship and, and you learn different yeah. things from that person that you don't learn from your parents, but they're still useful yep. things to have because you're spending a lot of time with them. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly this. Exactly this. So that was why um, the picture book called Mina's Magic Malong. So you'll you'll um, probably have realized this that all my books have um, all Asian char- um, is an all Asian cast. Um, <laughs> they all deal. <laughs> they all deal with um, things that I feel children in that part of the world um, are grappling with. So I write, I've written these books because they were written in Singapore when I was living there. Um, these books were written for the children there. And, you know, obviously I hope that there, 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 there is enough international or universal appeal for other children to be able to relate um, as well. Are they going to remain in one language or is Penguin going to try to venture out to others? Well, the decision is not mine. Obviously, they're going, to, they're going to try to sell the translation rights, and I think they're probably looking into that um, at the moment. Haven't heard from the publisher, but th- I think they will tr- try and sell or, or get an interest or get get um, you know get an international publisher to translate and sell that, sell those rights. Okay, good. Um, that'll, 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 yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I hope they do. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear hope you. That it, you know, someone can read it in Korean, it would thrill me a lot. And someone in Japanese or maybe even Indonesian. Yeah, it makes sense know. to me. Definitely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the newest book that's coming out. Right. So the new book also deals with the theme of, you know, um, as I said earlier, um, um, the relationship between master and servant. Um so it's 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 uh, someone had said to me the other day it was quite funny. Um, she had said that it's the Asian Downton Abbey. I don't know if you know Downton Abbey. Yes, yes, um, I, I watched yeah. the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I said, mm, yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, you know, uh, it's it, it it's because it, every society has that. You know, the the you know servants and masters. It's it's all it's 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 just um, you know a society. I mean, every society has that kind of relationship. So basically, that story—I mean, the story is a historical um, fiction. It's, it's, it's historical fiction because it's, it was inspired by an, uh, a true event that happened in in British Malaya. So British Malaya um, today is Singapore and Malaysia. And um, and because I had discovered that there was a legal documentation um, that dealt with the registration of. Um, these little servant girls, um, they were really sold into households when they were very young. 
um, and the, there was a legislation called the Muay Thai Ordinance of 1932 in Singapore that um, obliged all households that owned servant girls to register them and pay them. They literally were not paid. They were sold into these families and just worked work to the end to, to when the family finds them a husband um, or they're just you know um, sold to another household wow so that yeah I mean when I discovered that history it shocked me you know I I, I mean I realized that I didn't know this yeah and, um, it sounds more like slavery Boy. oh it was it was slavery and, and some of these girls some of the people who owned um, they, they actually Call these girls slaves. In fact, um, actually, I spoke to an older lady. She's just in her nineties now, and she said I had slave girls, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was so shocking, and, and it just showed my. Actually, you know, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed of my own ignorance, and I, I just felt, oh my god, I didn't. How did I not know this? You know, and um, and then I just went and researched. It took me so long to research. It took me about four and a half years. Four. Well, oh, nearly five years, I'd say, four, four and a bit years. Yeah, and, and I, I keep finding things now, you know, wow. so the research hasn't really stopped. <laughs> it's just that I'm researching now with knowledge. Before that, it was like, you know, I was a blank slate. I didn't know anything. Oh, that's something else. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite triggering, actually. I mean, triggering because, the, 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 his, the you know, I just put myself in these little girls' shoes, and I just think, how, you know? You know, then there are photos of these girls as well in, in archives. So um, because they were all, some of them were documented. Some of some of, some of them were registered. Um, you know, because there was a law, right? Wow. And so when they were registered, their photos were taken and they were documented, basically. Well, I don't know anything about that. I mean, I'm not totally surprised because uh, one of the byproducts of of colonialism is a form of you know, if not slavery, indentured servitude. So it just seems mm. to go like hand in hand, historically. It does, it does. Yeah. I think what surprised me also was that these girls also existed in San Francisco, Chinatown. Um, and, and when I found that out, I was like, and, I, and a friend said to me, then you have to write that book. And I said, well, you know, I'm not American and it's not really my history to write. I'll leave it to someone else, you know, someone else can write that book. Because there were also these servant girls that existed in San Francisco, Chinatown. Oh, I definitely, I definitely believe that because I know that we got that term Shanghai from somebody knocking you over the head and putting you on the ship, and next thing you're in China as a as a slave worker, no matter who you were and your background. Whoa. So, yeah, it, it's right. not it's not that uncommon that they probably brought some folks over there too. Mhm. Mm I mean, it, 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 I was I was criticized by by a well, not really a historian, but a history buff, I guess. Um, who said that you know you you you're 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 exposing a, a, a dark side of a of a of a of, of a Chinese uh, culture, you know, and it's not a very good time to do so. <laughs> when is a good time? Because of the virus, huh. <laughs> and I was oh like, what? Got nothing to do with the virus. Um, I mean, I think they were just crosswired then. I I felt so impelled to to have to explain to this person that you know, it, for me, it's not about criticizing you know I, I actually it's an observation um you know from the research i observed that these things are happening today still because human trafficking is not a thing of the past yeah no doubt it, 
it, it is happening till still today. And then it made me think about like how, where that history, where did that history come from? You know, and so, you know, how far do I trace it back? And I just happened to then have spoken to this one lady who said I had slaves. And I was like, what? You know, and then, you know, and then I met a lady who, I, I met someone in Paris who was, um, she was a, 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 a helper and she had run away. And um, I actually was so um, traumatized um, by her story that I blogged about it. I, I, I um, helped organize um, with a, a group of people, other people I helped to organize to send her back home where she came from. She came from the Philippines and she had been working as servant for 25 years um, with a family who didn't let her leave. Oh, she literally, you know, and I, I just did not think that such a thing could happen. That's why I said I was so naive. And, and when I found all these things, I was so shocked. I was shocked at my own naive, naive, naivety. And, and I'm quite upset with myself, actually, to be honest. And I thought, you know, how can I, how can I tell this story? How can I make you know people understand, right? Um, and um, yeah, and I saw all these things have been swirling in my head for I think quite a long time before this book got written. Well, I'm very glad that you did because it's like Martin Luther King when he wrote that uh, that essay, "Why We Can't Wait." It's it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. it, it's tired of waiting. You have to like expose things to be able to move forward. You can't really get any healing or any kind of connection if you're just burying in the past and making believe it doesn't exist you know i was so shocked to learn that mm. in the old west because you know we've we've had 50 60 70 years of of film about the old west and you've never seen black people and then later on you discover that a third of all the people in the west were black and that there were yeah. there were lawmen and, and landowners and ranchers and cowboys and everything because they knew after the Civil War they had a better chance of getting freedom and doing something for themselves rather than staying on the East Coast where people are going to still treat them badly even though they wasn't slaves anymore. And, and and how we buried that and just didn't do anything about it in history books, it's just, it's just unbelievable. But now that we're talking about it more, it just makes so much more sense. And it gives you a better idea about what the country was doing back then and what it should still be doing now. Yeah, I, I, I think these things are really important for our... Um, the next generation or, you know, our children's generation and their children to really know about it. Because if we don't talk about it, it gets forgotten. And, you know, history does get forgotten, right? Until someone digs up something and says, oh, you know, what happened here? Yeah, and I I wonder if forgotten is just a kind word that you're using. I wonder if they just are deliberately burying it because it's not something that's going to fit whatever a particular agenda you know, yeah. that a, a person or organization or even a country has at the time. And, and unfortunately, it, it could be decades or hundreds of years later. Then you're like, what? You can't believe it. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. No, but then you're right. You're right. Yeah. It, 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 there are narratives that have just been buried and, you know, and, and people are, are, are not allowed to speak about these things. Yeah, I, I'm finding out that some of the famous lawmen in the past were simply combinations of various black lawmen out there and they just put a white face on them and wrote stories about them and it turns out it's it's not true about who that person was it's true about some of their exploits but 
they were not they were not white so it's just when you when someone does that they're not trying to forget anything they're just trying to make up a different story to rewrite the history exactly yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's very dangerous because as you know last mm. couple of years in america we've had some forces over here trying to do that very same thing and uh, definitely mm. against that because now this is anti-democratic you know it's it, it simply ruins the knowledge that we should have yeah and it's wrong well that's totally wrong so i'm definitely uh, against that and i preach against that all the time because just because you're remembering somebody from 150 years ago that was a, a lousy person you know a murderer or a slave owner or something like that it doesn't mean that his, your remembrance is, is a way to praise him it just means that he's a placeholder to remind you of that time and what happened not 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 to praise the person so i think Sometimes folks in their overzealousness it, it will hurt themselves and their causes more than than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, it's a really complex. It's so complex, isn't it? I mean, I, we have all that talk about pulling statues down, and you know, different. There's so many different views on this. Yeah, there, there are, and, um, especially in the the, yeah. the Italian community. That's completely uh, upset. You know, uh, when people pull down Christopher Columbus uh, statues and we're like, he didn't even discover America. What's the point of any of that you're doing? <laughs> so wh wh why do this? He didn't even discover America. But nevertheless, he's important to our community, especially when we used to be heavily discriminated against and had many problems in this society. You know, he, mm. he was a symbol that kind of helped us together. And eventually we got a holiday named after him and et cetera as a way to, for us to, you know, to garner some pride and, and, and let people know. And to have people do this and, and not even be historically correct on it is, is extremely disheartening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's nuanced, isn't it? It is not bad or black or white. Everything is gray. I think there's – and that grayness needs to be also um, elucidated. It needs to also be exposed. Well, thankfully, we've uh, convinced some people to simply put them indoors, have a little educational thing, so that's why we're not wiping out history. Sometimes that's worked, mm. and other times it hasn't, but it is a real solution to people having an issue about a particular person. But, you know, quite frankly, if we assigned um, a, a researcher to everybody we have a statue out there, I mean Rockefeller and Kennedy and everybody else, we're going to find 10,000 wrong things. And we're going to pull them down too because we're not going to find perfect people. We're going to have people who've done all kinds of stupid and horrible things. And in the end, they, they try to uh, benefit society and try to contribute in, in, in their own way as well. So it is a, a really mixed bag, a real gray picture. But in terms, yeah, of, in it, terms of a perfect person, that person doesn't exist. We wouldn't have any statue exist. left. They'll all be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people don't want statues. <laughs> They'll all be gone. So you know, yeah. we need to understand if, if, what this, if this is going to happen, if there's standard or is it just whatever yeah. political gimmick that came out this week? Because it, it's not historically consistent or accurate, and, and in many ways it's, it's dangerous to the society. Well, but I, can, I mean, I can understand, though, why there are communities who don't want to see these statues and don't want to be, you know, reminded. I mean, you know. Trauma is also, you know, intergenerational. It's also, you know, I do understand and I do see their point. I just don't have the answers, you know. I, I am of the, I'm of the thinking that, you know, if we don't educate people going forward, if we have all these things and erase all these things, then one day nobody will know. 
right? Then, of course, you know, there is that, there is also, um, you know, people saying that, well, why, why would people forget? Because you will tell your children's stories because there is there are oral histories and that's true too you know so it's 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 so there is no i don't know the answer i i'm assessing it um i mean as an art historian and this is coming from that perspective um and it's not to do with the aesthetics of the statue or whatever it's to do with what that statue represents in terms of art history so um well I yeah. I don't think there's I don't think there's one answer. There's a couple. No. I know one of mm. them uh, on bringing it indoors and and assigning yes. signing a historical like lesson for this particular person so you understand where they're coming from is not a, it's not a bad idea. It's not terribly expensive mm. and at least it, at least it respects history and and teaches people something. So that is one uh, idea amongst a uh, a couple. But I am convinced that uh, removing uh, especially since the act of removing is not even a democratic act that's voted upon a council. It's simply a bunch of hooligans with ropes tearing things down. How do you how do you benefit anybody, including history, by doing something illegal? This just makes no sense for yeah. that alone itself. It's it, it's vandalism. So mm. that is simply not a, a solution to to be a vandal. And uh, yeah. I, I really I really think that um, removing them is 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 simply a, a dangerous thing. And I'm glad that we slowed down on doing that as more people are starting to realize that that's simply a poor way to, 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 uh, to address the past by forgetting about mm -hmm. it. That's just not mm -hmm. the way. That's what we're talking about right now, how historical research and, and how people venturing out and being brave to, to dig up things, uh, they'll, they'll help benefit society more. And, and this, by tearing down statues, is the complete opposite of that. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. And I, there is a part of me that thinks this way. Um, there's another part of me that says, I also understand, you know, why people don't want to see these statues. I mean, as, as a person or who, you know, um, I, I mean, I was born in Singapore and I lived in Singapore for a good part of my life. We have a statue in Singapore called, um, you know, of, of, of Sir Stanford Raffles. He's supposedly the founder of Singapore and the history of Singapore starts with him, 1819. And that's also quite controversial because, um, you know, there was a history to Singapore and, 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 and historians have found that too way before 1819. It's just that the, the political narrative of the country um, situates the foundation of Singapore in 1819. And do we, you know, um, it's controversial there to speak of pulling his statue down and nobody goes there <laughs> nobody talks about it <laughs> yeah so i mean i totally see you see i totally understand i from either side you know i i see your point and i also see like where other people are seeing you know people who have been you know colonized you know people who have suffered under these um these um suffered under um uh, suffered atrocities under these people who whose uh, image has been you know kept right 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 and i i think bringing them indoors on that particular situation would be an ideal solution because hmm. first you you you'll you'll allow it so that's why anyone who really does feel 
horrible about this person making this claim. They don't have to visit it, and it's not in their face anymore in a public manner. But anyone else who wants to learn, they can have a lesson that tells them, this is what this guy said when he started at this time, but we know that there's been a past before that, and here's some of that as well. And then you get a bigger and a fuller picture. Yeah. So this way, uh, this this guy, who sounds more like a jerk, uh, at least mm-hmm. even even his jerky presence it make, it makes somebody get educated. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, that I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for education, actually. At the end of the day, all this is to serve um, an education purpose, right? Purpose of educating yeah. um, I, I, our future generations. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, and I think as yeah. parents, we should be more attuned to that because, you know, we have children and I don't want to give them – I don't want to give them fairy tales when they go forward about things when they should mm. also know that, you know, if you have a black person claiming that sometimes the history hasn't really filled in all the blanks about their culture, well, apparently they're correct. And if you have an Indian person say, you know, we didn't really get the best deal. I'm still stuck on this piece of land that some guy gave to me, even though it was mine all along. I'm not happy about that deal either. Well, they, they have a lot of points and they actually have a lot of evidence in, in the records to show this. So there's no reason why we can't listen to that and do what we can now to try to remedy that. It's not going to be perfect. We're not going to fix 300 years of stupidity. But yeah. we can definitely uh, live in a fuller and, and, and a more honest world if we start talking about it. I agree. That I agree. So um, what do you have coming up next? I mean, you, you always seem to be doing something. I think at one point you, <laughs> you were like doing some um, writing, uh, like uh, like uh, sort of like a, like a tutor. And, and I, I also know that you, you do a lot of uh, uh, art historian work as well and, and you're an educator. So, I mean, what's the next thing you're going to be doing? Well, yeah, I have a lot of projects. <laughs> you're right in noting that. Um, I just keep myself busy. Um, because I wear so many hats, and I and, and again, all behind, underneath all these hats, the the premise for me is always to you know share share what I know, you know learn from other people, and then share what I know again. Um, so I I I I um, mentor people who want to write uh, picture book stories because I am primarily known for my picture books, really. Um, um, because I love writing them, and I um, was re- I got representation for a picture book story uh, manuscript that I had sent in, so that's what I write, um, and I enjoy and I love writing picture book stories. They make me so happy. Um, so I'm working on improving my craft in that, and I'm also whilst learning, also mentoring other people, and. Um, passing on the knowledge really that's what it is um and that's my projects going forward um as much as i can i can tell for now um i've i've been asked by a few people a few organizations to also um teach non-fiction teach sorry to to run workshops um on uh, writing um personal stories, um, and that combines an art historical element. So we look at photographs and then find our own photographs or personal photographs to write our own stories. So that's a workshop that I'm, I have uh, developed um, and I curate it depending on the organization or the, the people who ask me to run these workshops. 
and I find a lot of joy doing that actually. So it's a lot of research as well. And and if I if I'm teaching a particular group that um, the participants are um, say uh, from the US, the majority. So I dig up photos that are related to the U uh, to to American history, for example. I'm I'm convinced that you might be one of the busiest w women that ever lived on Earth. I mean, I, you make you make <laughs> you make Oprah so. Winfrey look like she's just sitting down and doing nothing. <laughs> no, God, no, Oprah Winfrey is busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you really are doing a, a lot, and I'm I'm always happy about that. And of course, I'm fascinated because. As a writer, I'm just a writer, and um, I do some broadcasting. No, but, you're a podcaster. Yeah, and I, and I, and I do some broadcasting through the podcast, but there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. things that you do that I don't really have any concept of, and I could never do, like picture books. I just couldn't get my head around it. It's hard enough trying to find a picture for the for the, the writing that I published in my journal. You know, that, that that's <laughs> enough of a task because I'm not an artist. I'm just a writer, so I've, I've learned to adapt myself a little bit to that because I think it's important. And I respect it. I just don't, you know, it's like singing. I'm not, mm. I'm not going to try, but I appreciate it. But I'm not going to try at all. Uh, I don't draw the pictures. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't illustrate. Yeah, I know, but you, yeah. you probably have I mean, an idea about what you want to see, though. Uh, yeah. I, um. So one of the one of the thing about one of the things that about writing picture books is they always say that you have to have an image in your mind, right? You you're writing that scene with a visual in your head, but that visual in your head is then turned into something else, and it's because the illustrator illustrates um, your words, they interpret your words, and then does an illustration for the for for those words. So that picture might change; it may not exactly translate from my head onto the you know. And it's always better, you know. I have so much um, admiration for um, illustrators. It's hard work. Like I can imagine. I just, just couldn't think about writing something and then having to give people clues. I'll be like. Um, it's a big stupid robot and it shoots people with laser beams. Uh, I don't know. Draw it now and go figure it out. Bye. <laughs> that'd be that'd be for me. And they're like, uh, get rid of this guy. <laughs> oh, I love illustrations. I think if I in another life, if I could come back again as a human being, I would love to draw. Well, I can understand that, and that's probably part of what allures you to that. And God bless you, because definitely not for me and i'm glad to be able to talk to someone that does that because i i keep telling people when they ask me you know i'm like i i like to be able to talk about things that happen that i'm not involved in and it's great to talk to women when you're a guy because they can have a perspective you might not have it's great to talk mm. to someone that does these picture books because i know zero about them other than it's a book with some pictures and some writing um, and, and of course, uh, you know, the whole Asian experience and this is so many different things about you that, you know, I don't know anything about. So I think it's great that way because now does the audience get some education and, and get just a whole new perspective out there. But, you know, even myself, it's just not, you know, the lady down the road. It's, it's something more interesting than that. And I like that because that's what makes this a thrill to do, because, you know, if it's just a, a, another another book about a, a family dispute, I mean. We've had many of those already. I like to have something a little bit more interesting, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, you got a book here where you, you literally might have some elements of slavery in it, <laughs> and all of that, and you know, the whole master and servant relationship, and you know, can they ever be friends? Is it always a dominion thing? Is it, you know, does the master feel guilty? Is, does the slave want to kill everybody? There's a lot of interesting questions you can have with something like that. So it's definitely fascinating, and definitely beyond anything I'm writing. I try to stick to uh, uh, my uh, military past and a lot of that, and 
you know, I got a book coming out uh, about that as well. So that's, oh, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I guess we, you know, a lot of us write, I mean, a lot of writers write what we know, I guess. It, I mean, it's, it's, it keeps being repeated, doesn't it? I mean, although it's a bit of a loaded term as to write what we know. Um, yeah, it's not, it hasn't been easy. I, I did it many, many years mm-hmm. later. I really didn't do that on a regular basis, but this time I did. And, um, it turned out to be a lot harder than I thought because uh, uh, just like the, those historians that leave things behind on purpose, well, apparently I did the same thing. So when I start doing research, I'm like, oh, yeah, what about that? What about this? And it was obvious that I was purposely leaving things out and, and that maybe I purposely remembered things differently and that um, having a more full account as I was writing uh, became more of a, a painful process. And uh, it was necessary mm-hmm. and uh, and definitely rough. But um I'm happy for it because it gives a fuller, a picture of uh, of my youth in in Europe and in in my military experience, and it's probably good for my children to read as well, even if it can be a bit adult. You know, I, I did my best to explain to them, you know, what they might encounter one day when they read it. Wow, I guess yeah, I, 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 you know, our children also need to know a site, another site to us, isn't it? I mean, I, I always say to my kids that I'm more than just a mummy or just your mummy. You know, there's more to me than this. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I pretty much told them that, you know, you know, while you explore a little bit of me, but it doesn't give you license to drink and have sex with a thousand women with a gun in your hand. So let's not go there either, okay? It's just what happened <laughs> What happened to me. It doesn't mean it's a proper experience for you. So you have to be careful with that. But if you're going to be accountable and if you're going to be honest, unfortunately, you got to throw everything in there, whether you like it or not. And that's what I did. So it's going to be a bit, it's going to be a bit of a ride. <laughs> Guess you found some catharsis writing that. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm older yeah. now too, where I can handle it. I think if I was younger trying to write that, it wouldn't have worked out so well. Yeah. I mean, the course that I was telling you about is actually about this. It's actually helping the participants in the course, you know, the workshop is to, to, to find catharsis through writing. So writing their own personal stories. Um, and using um, photographs as triggers, not triggers, sorry, that's actually even the wrong word, but it will be triggering. Um, using photographs as uh, prompts, I guess, that would be the proper word. Well, it, it is it is a type of form of, of therapy, no doubt. And I know that words use a little bit too much, but to me, it, it seemed that way anyway. Mm. It's part of journaling. Yeah, it's and like writing journal, is like journaling. Yeah, writing yeah. in general can be therapeutic, but definitely when you're when you're pulling things out of uh, the past that you know you didn't want to really look at for a long time, it, it definitely becomes uh, therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I mean, it has been therapeutic for me, and and um, and I do tell I do tell I mean there's always a disclaimer to say that you know if something is triggering for you um you can leave it right you know you're not no one's forcing you to write it it just you know if you feel that you need more time to process um go ahead take that time but the space is a very the space is I try to make it as safe a space as possible right well I think that is definitely the way to go about it and uh, I like that you did that cuz it shows that you know, you um, are respecting the writer and, and, and the sensibilities. So this way uh, they can uh, find their own path in, in their own time, which I, I think is an important element. Yeah, definitely. Definitely makes sense. Definitely. 
All right, Eva, thank you very much for being on the show. I hope a lot of folks have, have gathered a lot of uh, wonderful uh, facts and knowledge and, and just the experience of hearing somebody who's doing something completely different than, than what we're doing. Uh, folks, if you get a chance, I'm telling you, go buy this Open a, a Boy's uh, uh, Yung Adventure. Um, I know a lot of you are not like me where you still have younger kids. You might have grandkids, though, or maybe some nieces and nephews. You could read it to them, and you can definitely be guaranteed that it's going to be an astounding connection, and you're going to be really uh, uh, grateful for that. And it's not, you know, cat in the hat or, you know, green eggs and ham, but I'm telling you, it's in, it's in that category, in my opinion. And so <laughs> don't be don't be afraid of something different. You know, we can't go around preaching all day about how we want to break down prejudices and all we're doing is cat in the hat all day. Do something different. Check out Open. It's really interesting. She has definitely another title as well, The House of the Little Sisters. That's going to be coming up in the weeks ahead, so check the internet and, and find out where that's going to be at. Uh, Eva Wong uh, Nava, uh, it's just, uh, I find you not only an incredible writer, but just one hell of a human being. And it's not always I say that about writers, because sometimes we could be as flawed as some of the things we talk about, but uh, you are almost a saint, in my opinion. And, uh, oh, no, th- Mark Anthony, thank you very much. But no, I am a very flawed character. And that's why my characters are flawed. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you very much for having me. You got it. I mean, I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be able to speak to with you and have this chat. Well, I'm hoping that we can have you again in, you know, in the near future as you can discuss some other projects and some other wonderful things yeah. you're doing. Uh, not a lot of writers... Uh, do anything to help improve the world but i really think that you've already done that so i'd like to see what you're going to do next because that's pretty amazing still at it still at it world the world has to get better still so i'm still at it i'll and i'll continue doing that till my last days i hear that i appreciate it that's eva wong nava thank you i want to thank you all for being with us and of course uh, joining us and supporting us on the show we got other shows coming up here in february that i'm pretty excited about and I really, I really thank everyone for for their emails. I'm sure I'm going to get some for for Evie on this thing, and we'll have one of those recap shows where we talk about uh, various episodes and we try to answer the questions for that. I'm guaranteed that uh, Miss Wong's going to have some for sure, and I, I look forward to those. All right, folks, God bless uh, Eva. You have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Thank you as well. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>